All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bloom Naughty Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joined alongside me, as always, Seth Farnador and Robert Stieg. As Stieg stuffs his face right now from his dinner. Is it still good? Is it nice and hot? It's a, uh, it's a white chocolate covered Oreo that I just okay. got at the at the 10 second mark. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Give me a second. Uh, it's the, the highlight of uh, the last couple of days uh, for USF fans. Uh, we'll get, I guess, I mean, might as well just kind of jump right into it, right? I mean, there's really no beating around the bush. Um, the South Florida Bulls got absolutely demolished, destroyed. Uh, some would say embarrassed on ESPNU slash ESPN News because they got booted from ESPNU because of the game was so bad. Uh, I think they got booted in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, or pretty close to it. And uh, that's that's a rough, rough, rough way to uh, start your season as they lose 50 to 21 to the now ranked uh, 21st in the nation, BYU Cougars. Um, let me tell you guys a quick story and then we'll kind of get into the recap of this BYU game. So Friday night went to the melting pot. I promise there's a, there's a point to all this. Right, I went to the melting pot because Samantha's birthday was on Saturday. So her and I had a little date night, just me and her. On Saturday morning, woke up pretty like around like 530 to kind of get the stuff ready for her birthday and whatnot. And um, I started my Saturday off by finding out that my dog had died. And the day just got worse from there. You, you thought my dog dying would be the worst thing that happened on Saturday. Uh, but then USF showed up. And it just made things worse. On the lighter note of this Jesus. story. Yeah. <laughs> on the lighter. Jesus yeah. Sorry. Sorry about, sorry about your dog. On the lighter part of this, this part I find a little funny. Uh, so my cat died like two, two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago at this point. I, we buried him outside. We buried him like in our backyard. We've owned the house for like 30 years. Like we're not going anywhere. Um, so I went to start digging the hole for my dog and uh, ended up just digging up the cat because I <laughs> forgot where I, I had uh, buried him. So I had to fill that hole and find a new hole for the dog. Uh, so that's how my Saturday started. and It just pro- progressively got worse as the day went on. So uh, once again, USF football ruining Samantha's birthday as the overarching theme <laughs> uh, of the podcast in the weekend. Um, but yeah, there is, there is some <laughs> tagline there, by the way, of just <laughs> USF FBS openers worse than your dog dying. <laughs> I mean, Jesus need to get a, the Randy Travis digging up bones playing back in, <laughs> in the background uh, here. It was an adventure to a Saturday. That's for sure. Um, but good Lord. I mean, you got to wait two and a half hours because the powers that be thought thunderstorms don't happen in the afternoon in Florida in the summer. So that was neat. Um, Steve and I talked about this off off air, uh, but you know that that delay just put them right into Mountain Time. We, they might have been jet lagged if they had to kick off at normal time, but yeah, the delay just put them right in their comfort zone. Right in their comfort zone. Good lord, man! I just. I don't know where you guys want to 
start. I, you know what? Tricky times saying uh, Saturday was a live tutorial on how to kill a fan base. We'll get to we'll, we will get to that when we preview Howard because there's a <laughs> very important question that I think I need to ask uh, uh, the crew here. But um, so you, two and a half hour rain delay, lightning delay, first play of the game, missed assignments, not getting aligned, uh-huh. seventy five yard touchdown run by Puka Nakua. His first career rushing touchdown of his collegiate lifetime at BYU. He followed that up shortly with his second career rushing touchdown. <laughs> he looks collegiate career. If there are any questions about the health of Puka Nakua, it took about three seconds. Yeah, to see that he was fine. I was not. I was actually not a hundred percent sure because before the game, they were going through warmups. Guys were running routes full speed. He was jogging through. I'm like, oh, maybe he's feeling it. Maybe he's kind of. Maybe he's still a little tight. First play is like, oh, he's good. He's fine. Yeah, all right. Okay. And um Yeah, it so was I, it was exceptionally hot before that before the rain, too. That that would have been helpful. It was so hot. Uh you would about throw up walking to your car from the parking lot. It was it was rough. Yeah, um, it was not not a fun uh experience uh up until the rain got there. Um so what does USF do to follow up their set, giving up a 75 yard touchdown? Uh, they open their 2022 season with brand new offensive coordinator, Travis Trickett, brand new quarterback and Gary Bohannon. And what do you run inside zone twice? And then a tunnel screen to your wide receiver that gets blown up. So, I mean, you spend eight months preparing, you, you, don't stream the spring game because you want to keep it all a secret. You tell the broadcast booth that you don't want to give anything away. You don't want to tell people what your identity is. You want to keep that under wraps for a run, run past to open up the season. Just that's art. That That's, that is art to do. I just incredible stuff from trick it from Jeff Scott there uh, to really fire up this fan base after eight long, long months. Yeah, I thought they were really tight offensively to open the game. And that's kind of that was a good indicator of it. Who knows if they would have gotten the first down with those two runs, would they have just kind of ran again, or would they have gone right down script? To me, it seemed they were just kind of they had a script and they're just gonna stick with it kind of no matter what the game situation was. And and then but the game got out of hand very quickly. And they didn't seem to react quick enough, I thought. I don't think they had a drop-back pass, like trying to push the ball further downfield to like their fourth drive. And that was a seven-yard throw on third and ten. So I thought they opened a little bit tentatively, and they got really punished for it. As they should. You... You have literally have nothing to lose against a top 25 team. Are you worried about getting your secret world beating plays on, on tape? No. I, what at what point do you figure out, okay, we may need to figure something out and do a little s- something? And it, what's so frustrating is they actually did. There was one very inventive play that went for 12 yards. It was the uh, from under center jet sweep quick hitter to Jimmy Horn that went for 12 yards. Very next play is the the pick six, so it's yeah. kind of forgotten. But that's show me something. Show me that again. Keep that. I mean, it was effective. It it seemed so. I started. I've started to rewatch the game in preparation for the film room uh, on Wednesday that uh, Seth and I will have, and I just 
it doesn't make any sense. That seemed like they were having a lot of success running the ball on the outside and not really up the middle. And they just never, they never kind of kept to it. Uh, I know Gary had a nice run on the outside. Brian Petit had a nice run. I think that, that was his, the, his rushing touchdown later in the game was on, uh, was to the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Mangum had a couple of nice it. runs. So like, I, I'm not entirely sure what we're trying to do here when you you've really have nothing to lose. Yeah, no, it was weird. I mean, it's not <clears throat> totally uncommon for, you know, first game, new coordinator kind of ease into it. But, you know, once after the first two drives where it's one play touchdown, they and then you three and out punt and then they go right down the field and score again, you might want to get a little bit more aggressive. But then that's kind of where you have that – uh the screen. We'll, we'll watch it tomorrow, and that it was it was a total uh, bust outside by the receivers. If if they block it, you've got probably got Batie one on with the safety, which puts you in pretty good position. But didn't happen, and then you get a pick six, and then it's just like you're it's deja vu. It's all like over the again. the Mister Mister Crab, where it's like all oh distorted yeah. around. That's you. That's after that. After that. After that interception, that's just Jeff Scott's in the crab swirl. Yeah, I, I think the real indication was you. So you get the the scoop and score taken off the board because it was it was legitimately a forward pass, and they mm-hmm. they got the call correct. It was good of the refs to let the play go on and then go back and correct it. Completely get it, uh, but the. I don't know. I watched that sideline when they were panning as they were walking back to the to play the third and eleven, and man, they looked dejected. Like, oh my god, this was our one shot and we blew it, kind of thing. Very next play is a thirteen yard draw play, and then they score. I think two plays later, so it was just a frustrating first quarter. And I hope it's not a harbinger of things to come. But this is four straight years of USF just getting blown off the ball. In FBS openers, just absolutely annihilated, not even coming close, not even sniffing competition. And I, I'll be perfectly candid. I don't give a rat's ass about the second half of that game, about the guys still fighting, the guys still competing. BYU had the game locked up in the first quarter. Like what? And their star wide receiver got hurt. What in the middle of the first quarter? Like what are we? What are they really playing for at this point? It's style points, and they still put up fifty on us. So I. I don't. I don't really care. I don't really care about the. We they fought to the very very end thing. Give the guys a better chance. I think. That, I think it was glaring that they just completely whiffed on BYU, uh, even thinking about running up tempo. And I think that the misalignments, not getting the calls in, was glaring. And I don't know how you fix that in a week when now you've got on tape that uh, you can't get a line correctly if you run tempo. Well, I, to to. On to uh, stick up for the coaches, which is not going to be popular, but I went back and looked at BYU's pace. They ranked like 96 and 100 the past two years in pace. They've, they've been traditionally pretty slow. Even with uh, Zach Wilson, they were slow. So it hasn't, but on the other side of it, you should have a plan. You should have a plan for tempo, right? And then once you see that early, maybe adjust. Go ahead early and adjust. Now, they probably didn't know after the first series because, you know, they didn't have to run a second play. So uh, it may have taken a couple of series to see that they were going tempo, but that's something you got to kind of 
have a plan for, I would think, coming into the game regardless, because it's something you, I would imagine your practice, uh, I, I think they practice uh, no huddle, up-tempo, um, two-minute drill in practice. If they haven't, that would be a, a bigger scandal than the final score, but I, I'm pretty sure they practice it. So it was kind of weird to see them have so much problem. They had a ton of problems with that. And then the jet sweep, that that jet motion gave them a ton of issues. And that is a really tough scheme to stop if somebody's good at it. But they had nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> they they're calling well. it a little bit. I mean, they're, I think they're going to be calling it a little tight. Or at least they maybe put an emphasis on, on you know, faking an injury. There's a little yeah. humidity. You could cramp up at any time. Yeah. I mean, it's Florida. I mean, you guys were sitting around for two and a half hours. Why not? Yeah, yeah, get loose. Yeah, got a quick cramp. I don't know what to tell you, but goodness gracious, the amount of times that you had four, five, six guys just kind of looking to the sideline as the ball's getting snapped, trying to figure out where to go. I mean, just—I think to me the most disappointing thing is you really didn't get a chance to learn much because the game was over so quickly that you didn't really get to see. You got to see some guys flash and and some guys do some things, but a lot of it was stuff we already knew. Um, but, you know, Bohannon had some good throws and there were some issues with drops. And then on the other side, he just missed a couple, but that was uh the game got out of hand so fast. You didn't really get to see right. kind of what the real identity of this team, what they're really going to be on both sides of the ball, just because it was just, uh, it was over quickly. Yeah. Real, real, real quick. I just I, all the momentum off the field. We're, we'll talk about the the news that came out today with the on campus stadium here. I mean, it's it is raring and, and ready to go, and you just you lay an egg, and just kind of couple that last year's opener where you you lay an egg, and then what two days before, two days after, you find out you're getting left behind in the the expansion again, and. That was like, an existential crisis. I, I mean, goodness, like, I guess it literally is deja vu all over again. It's still, uh, it's the same stuff. It's the same crap happening over and over again. It's just a, a different packaging. Yeah, I, and uh, trick our friend Tricket time here. Pitt lost to Western Michigan. Now, to uh, to be living reality here, BYU is really good. Like, it's not like BYU is terrible. They're a really good team. Uh, they're favored over Baylor this week, who, you know, we've all heard about Baylor. So they're pretty good. They're going to, I think they'll end up being a top 15, probably fringe top 10 team, depending on how they do in some of these uh, power five games they have, but they're going to be pretty good. So it's, um, it's not like you got blown out by a team that's bad. And that's really, I mean, when you look back at all these opening Weak losses. North Carolina State ended up being pretty good. They beat, even beat Mighty Clemson last year. Uh, Notre Dame the the year before made the playoff, and then that Wisconsin team I think made the Big Ten championship game and lost to a pretty good Ohio State team. So they were pretty good that year too. So these all are brutal losses. There's no sugarcoating that, and you must play better. But it's not like you're losing to terrible teams either. It's kind of an unfortunate quirk of the schedule that you open with these teams. It would have been nice to have the first two games flipped. Probably would have helped you get a little momentum, and you'd probably feel a little bit better. Um, but 
that's not how it, that's not how the schedule works and you got, you got to play it. And they uh, obviously weren't prepared for some stuff. So tell me about it. And uh, Steve, I'll bring you in here. Uh, one quick question. You can, you can decline to answer it. Um, if you see fit, I mean, be, uh, just real quick, BYU didn't BYU wax UCF in a bowl game two years ago. Yes, yeah, it was like, their prior to Saturday. It was and, their only win in the state of Florida, and BYU went undefeated against Pac-12 teams last year. So it's not like all the teams in the American are going out and can hang with BYU. Right. Uh you, you may maybe have two or two this year that could maybe hang with them, and that's it, in my opinion. Possibly. Now, Steve, you died on this hill back in April, back in March. Um, you still, you still dying on this hill that uh, it was a good thing that they didn't stream the the spring game just in case their secret top plays got out. After seeing the reaction of the fan base over the last two and a half months, doesn't matter. Like, I'm gonna go on a mini rant here. Um, oh, please do. None, none, of, none of like the, the the Twitter spaces and all the shit that's been going on in the last seventy two hours and these this implosion amongst fans of just this. I mean, yes, you know, be angry that the team you know didn't play well against BYU, a top twenty five team. Be angry all that you want, but like at the end of the day, none of that none of that shit matters. None of the shit matters about you know, the spring game getting streamed or not and, and you know, upsetting a handful of out-of-state fans. People don't give a shit about spring games still. And they won't give a shit about spring games for Yosef football. Like, let's face the facts here. It's not, I don't think it's the... There's, I don't there, think it's no, no, the, no, 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 no. Let me finish. Oh, oh there, there are... I can count on probably fingers and toes, the amount of fans that are hardcore serious about watching spring games and analyzing the details and finding out all the nuances and all the different stuff, which didn't end up mattering anyways, because the quarterback that we had leading the spring games didn't play. So you basically had nothing that was similar from the spring game into the game and you got boat race regardless. So if BYU saw the spring game and watched it, you know, via, via Heath stream or whatever it was, it didn't matter because the team is that much better than you. But the, rea- the 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 problem more than anything is the reaction by everyone to just blow it up. It seems like no matter what, everything just needs to get blown up, blown up, blown up at this point. And whether or not it needs to happen is to be seen. But we we need to take a step into reality at times. Yes, we can be angry about the things that are small that USF can get wrong. But at the end of the day, we can't just keep on fucking harping over the same details over and over and over and over and over again, because you're going to keep on those cycles of negativity over and over and over again. I want USF to be better. I want them to be better at the social media side of things and approaching the fan bases. And they are making those strides into it. And I'm not going on a rant on you for asking the question, Nate, or anything like that. It's, it's, it's the principle of we expect better from the school but we're not doing better ourselves and putting ourselves in this negative cycle. Like there was a bunch of people last night in the Twitter spaces that were egging on players, parents to say something negative about Jeff Scott. Yeah, that's Fuck nuts. that. Yeah. That's so fucking low. Like we can't do that shit. That's, that's shit that Miami fans in like the early two thousands did to try to get dirt on, you know, other schools and everything like that. And then meanwhile, right up the road, 
everyone from Oviedo's fucking listening and getting their ammo and getting their fun and, and basically talking more and more shit at us. And that gets us more negative. And it, it's got to stop at some point. Like, I, I understand this is all frustrating and, and we, we want better. But good God, don't let this shit eat eat away for like more than 24 hours. Like that's unhealthy, man. Like that's bad. Yeah, I, I think uh, before you so rudely cut me off, I was gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that I think it's more. I don't. It's not really even about the spring game. It's kind of indicative. It feels. It feels indicative of a little bit of naivete, or just when you when you come out and say we're not broadcasting the spring game because we don't want to give our opponent any advantage, and then you come out and get waxed like immediately. It just doesn't it doesn't jive well. But I do agree that like there's no reason if you everybody that was in that five hour Twitter space last night, if you went to him before the game on Truth Serum and said, Do you think USF's gonna win this game? Ninety five percent of them would have said no. To me, looking at the projection of the season, this was not a game that I had them winning. At all because BYU is a terrible matchup for the defense because BYU's got probably five or six NFL players and two or three of them are on the offensive line. That's not a great matchup when you're when you're bringing in a bunch of new defensive linemen. So to me, and I think we're going to get here. And how does this does this change our perception of the team? I didn't think they would win this game. I was hoping it'd be a little competitive for longer, but sometimes that happens. It just goes. It just gets downhill on you fast, and there's nothing you can do. That happens. I would you like to see better? Yeah, yeah, of course. But in my and for me, I thought they'd. Go, I still think they can go over the four and a half win total. That's what I predicted at the beginning. I still think that's on the table. This didn't change that to me. Um, it's it's but like the craziness of like firing Jeff Scott, and it's not going to happen. Right. And Unless they totally crater and Howard comes in and is up 35 nothing going into the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I think then maybe the conversation happens, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. I, I, I And I do think they're going to have the chance to win four games, in, at least four games in conference. They have a chance to win four games in conference and get to four. And then after this first month, if they, if they're, they end the season basically four and three or something like that, Everyone's going to feel a lot different as this is going to be forgotten about. But right, this this wasn't one you were, I don't think, ever likely to win. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, oh, I would, Seth, I was telling you, like, my prediction, you know, last week was BYU winning 45-27. So, like, combined on both sides, I was, what, 11 points off? I think you were 15 uh, of, of the score. So, I mean, we, we had BYU winning this game pretty handedly. I think it's... We're, I mean, we'll harp on this forever. We are always about process, not result here. And it was just bad process, even worse result, like the entire night. And I think that's for me, especially, well, I think Saturday, I was probably in a different headspace than I, <laughs> I was firing off some tweets. I probably the margaritas hitting you. <laughs> well, it was, the mar- it was the margaritas and like having to bury two animals that were already dead. But other than that, uh, it was fine. Um but like, God, man, you can't, you can, you just can't do that. It, it can, it cannot spiral that quick. And I think there were absolute glimpses of Gary actually being like the correct pick. I think he, 
I think, you know, I don't want to step on Seth's toes or anything like that, but I mean, we talked, do you want, do you want to give your hot take that you, that you said last night? Do you remember it? Yeah. My, my hot take that if, uh, McClain's a quarterback, I don't know if they score at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was my, that was my hot take last night. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. It seemed like he had a good, decent grasp and control of the offense when they had the ball. I think Jeff Scott said in his press conference on Tuesday that uh, they, I think they were down 21, nothing and had run nine offensive plays. Yeah. So, so it what do you got, do? Uh, it got out of hand fast. It got, so what can you really glean from this other than my, they just weren't prepared. Like I, there's no way that you are this prepared. And then this happened. I don't, like, are you just too prepared? Is it like they got you well, it's, prepared? Well, can, you'll right. you'll see tomorrow. Like, there's a, there. The first play is like an element of <laughs> a bad alignment first to start the play, and he just got even said that today. But we we talked about it on earlier in the week. Bad alignment, um, and then also just really bad luck to what the play you had called on you're rotating safeties away from where they're running the ball and bringing a blitz from the other side away from where they're running the ball. So it's, it's almost like they had the perfect play call against what you had called. And that's why just Scott's like, if we could make the tackle for 12 yards, then okay. Because they did have a perfect play call, but you just missed that tackle and it just compounds into a touchdown. So it was not a great start in that so there's a bit of i think there's a bit of bad luck involved but also like after that first one once you realize they're going tempo you got to make sure you're getting the calls in or or you know i think they end up they did end up calling a timeout eventually on defense just to kind of slow things down um but you could tell the the one touchdown where the guy's wide open it's just a total coverage bus one side's running one side's running like um it looked like they may have been split cover, split field coverage, or one side's running like uh, a cover two look, and the other side was maybe yeah, run like a cover four the, look. Yeah, and the corner, like the, the corner on the field stayed in the stayed in the flat, and like a more yep. of a cover two look, and it was over. And so, so there was, and the safety wasn't coming over. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was tough. But I, I'm not quite ready to throw in the towel on the season. Like it, it feels like some people are. I just think it's. The 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 worst part really is that you had a pretty engaged crowd. I thought, even with the delay, yeah. I did I didn't notice because I mean they were getting ready to kick off. I mean it was pretty close to kickoff, so the stadium was kind of where it was going to be in terms of people filing in. But when the delay happened, and I looked back out afterwards, and I didn't think it was that. I didn't think the crowd. They you didn't lose a lot of people with the delay. It didn't seem like to me. After the first quarter, you lost some people, but <laughs> but to the delay, you had a. I thought you had a pretty engaged crowd. You had an engaged team when you came out too. I think the team was fired up and ready to go. But there is there is that element of when you've struggled in the past and you're you you hit with adversity right away, and then you go three and out, and then bang again. It's tough to recover. Did even from start that. coming back out. Yeah, it's right. tough to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I don't know. I, I chalk this up to uh, obviously there's things that need to be fixed, but it's also a little bit of a bad day at the office. Just kind of this stuff happens sometimes. Now it seems to be happening too much, right? But these these kind of games do just you coach long enough, you'll get in one where it's just like 
I remember here, I'll give you an example. Everyone knows Joe Canaan, right? Yeah. We played Manatee Architect High School. Of the Gulf Coast offense for USF folks. We played uh Manatee High School. Manatee was number one in the state in their classification. We were at Palmetto, we were number one in the state in our classification. Manatee would signal the play in on a with a number board. Well, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I was coaching was steal signals. Um, <laughs> so my brother was a defensive coordinator. So I would just look, I'd see the number, I'd write it down and say, okay, this is what the play is. So the next time they're all right, 31, I've got it written down. It's this play, right? So by like two drives in, we had most of the plays that were running. Uh, we had like 60 missed tackles or broken tackles and they scored like 58 points on us. And it didn't matter that we knew every single play they were going to run. It was just one of those days. So that stuff can happen. Um, and if when it ha- the, the, the unfortunate part is it happens when you have a really engaged crowd and you got a lot of excitement around the program and it just deflates the balloon. But I think they'll come back out and play pretty well. I think they'll play really well this week. And then hopefully next two games, you can find something, go into conference play and, and yeah. beat some people. The uh, we, Seth, we'll talk about this on your on your show on Wednesday that uh, goes live at seven o'clock, right? Next next seven level o'clock. Start. So Varsity we, Sports Network. Yep. We talked about maybe Louisville's not as good as they were anticipating, or maybe Syracuse is better. I think we'll find out this week. Yeah, a lot I, about Louisville. I think we will as well. So that's going to be a game to to watch for USF fans as you as you join with us and scout ahead. Uh, for for the next couple of weeks, um, it's going to be interesting to see how how that kind of shakes out. Uh, but you know, we're kind of getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, just one word answer. We'll we'll wrap up this little part and we'll we'll dig into the OCS stuff uh, that I know Steve is clamoring to talk about because he loves this stuff. Um, ultimately, does it change anything about this team? regardless of whatever happens did did saturday change your perception or anything to what this team can be or is no i don't know no. not for me i had them losing and not covering and they lost and didn't cover so i know. said it last I, I see why i see will in the chat the sad thing is i told will the game i thought the defense was actually better than last year even with how bad <laughs> even with how bad the game was i'm like i think they're actually better so that's uh, maybe more how bad they were last year, but um, they didn't make them work for it at times, which was more than you could say at times last year. All so right. I think they'll be okay. Good. Let's uh, let's jump into the, the OCS stuff. Steve, we got some news at the, the Board of Trustees meeting in St. Pete uh, on Tuesday morning. We we have an intent to an award a bid. Um Whatever that, whatever that really that's, means. That's a fancy way of saying, "Hey, uh, we're gonna go with these people, but we gotta get our lawyers together, and they gotta do their shit." Are they selling the ads on these BOT, uh, you know, uh, streaming streams now? They just God, keep bringing they, people back. It's like a radio tease. It, it really is. It's. <laughs> I, I someone was joking that they. Uh, uh, I think the live oak mentioned that someone from one of the other competitive firms was at the board of trustees meeting today, and then Michael Kelly immediately DM'd him and was like, "Yeah, this guy's been at every board of trustees meeting. He's been on the board. <laughs> like, he's he's a former alum. He's allowed to be uh, at those meetings." But uh, regardless, uh, we got the intent to bid. It looks like well, not looks like they will be going with Barton Malo. 
um, as the uh, the design firm. And then uh, the other big news from it was that Populous is going to be the architectural firm. Um, Populous is was kind of the fan favorite, probably the best stadium builder that you could possibly get. Mm-hmm. So this is fantastic news. And then Barton Malo is a is a local company. There was a big initiative by uh, by by USF Athletics to make sure that we're including um, you know local firms to do a, a lot of the building and a lot of the work around this on campus stadium. Based off of the stuff that I uh, was told today as well from a few sources, that's what they're doing. Um, they're going to hit well above that threshold. I think they wanted like 57% uh, or more to be Tampa-based firms or Tampa Bay-based. And they're well above that number right now. So fantastic news. Um, going to be honest with everyone, especially with the people that are in the the, the impatient seats of of the crowd these things are going to take time. These things are really, really slow. Big projects like this take a long time to get actual progress done. Uh, It's rumored right now that it looks like they're going to start building in June of 2024 uh, for the stadium. Um, Hopefully by then there's not going to be any supply chain issues and, you know, they can kind of get the shovels in the ground and get the shit going. But from now until 2024, you won't see a lot. There's going to be a lot of backdoor meetings. There's going to be a lot of discussions and meetings about meetings and getting all the details done because there's a lot going into this stadium and they want to get it right. If they wanted to haphazardly throw a erector set stadium on that, that's that plot of land. They could probably finish that by 2023. They're not going to do that. They want to go all out for this. The stuff that I've heard that they're trying to put in, it's fantastic. We'll see renderings eventually, but it's going to be a bit. Do we think, and I'm going to throw up some pictures here of this stadium while we talk about it. So Populous did uh, the Colorado State Stadium. Mm-hmm. Do we think this is kind of a similar a similar idea? Is it's like a thirty-six thousand seat capacity stadium. It's got a football operations building built into it. I would imagine it's going to be similar. Si- yeah, they'll they'll do something similar. They're probably going to incorporate. I mean, that the Colorado State Stadium has a lot of um, Colorado. Or is it Boulder? Not some Boulder. Whatever city it is, um, they they've incorporated a lot of local culture into it and and taken a lot of care and effort into it. Um, it'll probably be similar for like the Tampa Bay side of things. I want them to put at least a little bit of a roof or overhang, but I'm not going to get picky with it either. Right. Did, uh, to that point, did you guys, have you guys seen some of the videos from, I think it was the San Diego state yes, uh, game, um, on Saturday, just, it, I mean, California right now is going through a brutal, brutal heat wave. And, uh, it was like reaching like 110, 115 degrees. And there's there no literally shade. no shade, none at all. Like people were hiding under the, the bleachers outside. They were finding any shade possible. You can't do that in the state of Florida. Like you need to have shade. I know, uh, the, the hard rock, uh, down in my what's it, hard rock stadium down in Miami, they added shade and no. it's, it's really nice. I think that's the way to go. If, if you're going to do it, uh, but you just, you can't be, you can't do open. You can't do it. And no. said for you'll, you will kill people like 100%. Yeah. 
And this is McLean Stadium, which is the uh, Baylor Stadium. Mm-hmm. And it was also uh, a populous. That's yeah. more recent. You might get something more similar to this, um, especially because of the overhang. Um, I mean, you have yeah. to look at it from two angles. In Florida, from <clears throat> August to October, it's either really hot or it's really rainy. And that that shade and that covering is going to make use uh, one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean, you, you basically chose the two best firms that you possibly could have. So, um, <laughs> the... The, the price difference for a retractable roof is uh, the difference between this thing, uh, you know, happening and not happening. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> can you can you somehow get the rays in there and have them help you with the cost there? We'll, we'll get a retractable roof. We'll put the rays there. You get like an Oakland 2.0 stadium. Yeah. Oh, be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> just have like a and like they have in Arizona where they can pull the grass out. Just have something like that. You can pull a football field off and you have a baseball yeah, field underneath. Simple. It's easy. Yeah. There's plenty of room there for that. <laughs> I think so. Um but yeah, I mean it, it's all part of that master plan that got released last week as well. Um, you know, boy, would have been a great if you could have really just strung together, you know, this incredible stuff. But you know, we could talk about the BYU game and how bad that was, but Athletics is putting a lot of dollar, uh, you know, where their mouths are and, and really footing the bill on a lot of stuff. And you just at this point, <laughs> just hope, just hope and pray that, that the, the dominoes start falling your way, because at this point, they're spending too much money for it to not start falling their way. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, let's see what next. Yeah, let's just jump into Howard. Yeah, guess we like doing that. We'll sure. do that. Um, so, I'll, so we discussed BYU and our feelings, and uh, on the multitude of feelings, and we will get to the the Howard preview here. But I, I want this overarching question to be the the theme of how we maybe approach this um, after the hoopla over the last eight months after laying an egg versus BYU and another FBS opener where you get just absolutely demolished. Who's actually going to care that the Bulls beat Howard on Saturday? Like on a scale of one to 10, how much does it actually move the needle for the fan base? Is it like a one? I Is think it a two ish. I think there's a lot of people that aren't going to get back in until they beat somebody bigger. It seems like they'll, they'll be like, Oh, that's good. That's what they should do. You know, but if they come up and like snipe Louisville, then people will be back. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll take something like that for some people to get back in. Some people are just, you know, will enjoy every single game. Um, I, I think they're going to blow Howard out pretty easily. So maybe that can be exciting. And you get some of those guys. I mean, because you've got a ton of that's that's the other thing that's so disappointing. You didn't get to see a lot of these guys that you've been thinking about all offseason really get in space and show what they can do. You've got this great group of skill guys. You got a, a, I think you have a pretty good quarterback. It just weren't able to showcase it very well. So I, I would imagine they're going to make a point of doing that against Howard. I would, I would try to score 100 points if I could here, to just try to, uh, you know, yeah. ease some of the craziness. Um, and you know, th- this is a team that's 0 2 playing, and they've only played FCS teams so far. So this is not like it's not like North Dakota State's coming into town. Or something right. like that. This should be a team that you can roll. Um, right. So hopefully they go out, roll them, and, and have some exciting offense. And we can kind of see what they're going to be about this year 
uh, schematically a little bit because I don't think we really got to see that a ton. But I th- but I think a lot of people they'll it'll they're not going to get fully they're not going to be fully back in until you beat uh, win a game in conference or maybe you snipe one of these next two out of conference games. So that's what it's going to take I think for some people to get back in. Even some people in the chat it looks like like but. You can, I think you can heal some wounds if you come out and dominate, like yeah, a team that's, that's uh, like you think a good team would. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you know, frankly, I, I mean, obviously, I didn't watch any of the game last week. I watched a few highlights, saw what I needed to see, and that's all it really is. And I think what you can do at this point against Howard is, you know, it, it, you can string together something really, and when I say really good, I mean really good in the grand scheme of things because you're going from polar opposite, going from what could be the toughest team on your schedule to what will probably be the worst team on your schedule. So this is where you kind of need to really, you know, overreact and over knee jerk to this. I mean, if you have the opportunity to put 70 on Howard, you take it. If you have the opportunity to shut them out and hold them to with, to like under a hundred yards total, you take that opportunity Sure, you're not going to get a lot of people that are going to be overly impressed by it. You know, I I can probably guess that most people would be like, "Oh yeah, good, you've been an FCS school. Congratulations, you've done three times. Those are your only three big wins that you have so far." But at the same time, what that can do is get you that confidence in the team to say, "Hey, yeah, you got your you know asses kicked by BYU, but when you start leveling the playing field a little bit more, you know you're really good." I mean, we talked about it with with Coach DePrado saying, hey, like, you know, you guys are the fastest team you're ever going to see, Puka Nakua aside. You know, <laughs> this is your chance to remind yourself, hey, I'm really fucking fast, Brian. Bittini. He didn't think hey, he was I'm healthy really when he said that. <laughs> right. I mean, if Puka Nakua then you probably get a five-yard touchdown right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there was anyone else on that BYU team that could probably actually alignment wise it probably would have happened regardless. But you you can at least put your team back into the right scheme of things. If you really just shove Howard into the locker and, and let them have it. Yeah. And I, I think it would, even though it's an FCS game to me, them going out and just totally waxing them would show progress. Cause you think about the FCS games the last couple of years, Citadel, it's not like they crushed Citadel. It was kind of a struggle. Yeah. And then FAMU was not, it was not super clean last year either against FAMU. It was a reverse so, Fetty whopping, if I'm not mistaken, right? It wasn't at 38 to 17. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like you went out and hammered them. It was kind of a yeah, struggle and at they times. Out, they outgained USF too. Yeah. So like they if ended you up go running, out and just yeah. if you go out and throw up a 50 burger or is Justin saying a 60 burger or is Jason's asking for a 70 burger? Do you go out there and throw up one of those and then play some pretty tough defense, get some turnovers? I think you'll feel a bit better. And that will be progress, even though it is an FCS team. Right. Go out and dominate a team that you that is yeah. And Howard's not. They're not. A, I don't think they're a great FCS team either. So this should be one you go out and roll. If you don't, then you know buttholes will start to pucker a little bit more. So yeah, but in, I think so. And you know, it's a, it's a the the dreaded trap game. You know, that's really what this game is. It's uh, you know the Bulls are looking ahead to September seventeenth uh, at Florida. They're not even thinking about. Howard, and that's how you get sniped, right? Isn't that when you're a bad team, you always think about the trap game? Is that how that – or is it the other way around? I don't think there's any trap games. They're all traps if you don't (laughs) don't play hard. 
Uh, yeah, so that's uh, seven o'clock. Admiral, need to have Admiral Ackmore come in and give a pregame <laughs> speech. Yeah, so the Bulls face uh, the Howard Bison at seven p.m. on ESPN Plus. Uh, really, honestly, the only thing I really kind of care to talk about Howard is, is the USF connections that they have. Uh, their head coach, Larry Scott, is an OG Bull. Uh, 25 years ago today, he took the field against Kentucky Wesleyan and beat the brakes off of them, uh, 80 to three. Uh, that's that is really awesome. He's got a couple of guys who coached at USF, one that played at USF. Uh, Troy Douglas is his defensive coordinator, and he was the DB coach uh, during that mid two mid 2000s run where he he coached Mike Jenkins. He he coached uh, Trey Williams. He coached uh, Luis Cachet, Nate Allen. That's Though that's the guys he was coaching, that those were his his position guys. Uh, really cool that you know he'll be back in town. Fern Hargraves coached in the late two thousands, early tens. Um, he's their special teams coach and defensive line coach. And then a name that we will all uh, love and remember is uh, twenty ten Big East Special Teams Player of the Year, Lindsey Lamar, is their wide receivers coach, and he's he's coming back as well. Uh, they've got a lot of Florida kids uh, on the roster uh, for a good reason. They've got a lot of Florida ties. Uh, so it's a couple of guys from like the Sebring area. I think a couple from Clearwater. Uh, so um, that's that's pretty cool to have that kind of connection. Can we get Kentucky Wesleyan back on the schedule? I think they're like D3 now. They're going to open the new stadium with them and beat them by 100. So we'll uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. Um Anything kind of stand the, the one thing that stood out to me for I was kind of like looking through um, Howard's kind of stats really was so they've got a, a wide receiver leads the team in rushing. Um, and he's a legitimate wide receiver. He just he I think he's averaging like nine yards a carry. Um, and then they've got another receiver who uh, is averaging a little over 26 yards per catch. So they've got some pop plays, um, but they, they really kind of struggle against what was it, Alabama State. And then uh, Hampton last week. Big rivalry so. game. Yeah, the Hampton Howard game. Yeah, yeah, it's the battle for the real HU. They lost. Yeah. Shame. Tough, tough scenes. Tough, tough, tough three. scenes. What happened? Yeah, I should have looked. Thirty-one twenty-eight. Ooh, Howard. Uh, Howard scored twenty-two points in the fourth quarter. To uh, make that a game, they've got some yeah. momentum. Yeah, yeah. So, man. Um, so, as we kind of leave the show tonight, uh, let's we'll do the predictions. I want to ask one more question from you guys. Uh, where? Actually, two more questions. Um, what, if anything, can we learn from this team on Saturday? that we haven't that we don't know yet or um have yet to see i think like a, a team that's got a chance to do something win some games in conference uh puts this one away early and gets up and just rolls if they struggle again now it's i think you really got to be concerned if it's like last year's fam game that would be concerning to me cuz i don't think this howard team is that great and it's also an FCS team. This should be one where you go and roll, kind of have your way. 
Um, so I'd like to see them do that, especially on offense. I'd like to see kind of those those guys, some explosive plays on offense. They had some against BYU. Um, Xavier Weaver, they moved him around. Uh, you know, they moved him around, put him in the slot. He had some big plays. Like, let's see some of those guys that we heard about all offseason get, uh, you know, get the ball in their hands and let's see what they can do. We've heard about Trophy Brown. I don't think he had a, he didn't have a touch. You know, Xavier Weavers played and played well, but a Jojo, I think he had like six yards receiver. Let's get him some, t- you know, let's, let's get some of these guys some touches and see what they can do with the ball in their hands and, and uh, score a ton of points. That's what you need to do. If you don't come out and score a ton of points, you got to feel a little nervous about the rest of the year. Steve? I think it's, I mean, the, the biggest thing you could probably learn is new. you essentially have a new team under your belt here at this point. You have new coordinators. I mean, some of the assistant coaches are the same. You have a lot of a new, lot new defense players and a lot new offensive players. Are they able to turn the page quickly? Um, you kind of are, you know, you went up against Raldis Chapman to start, and now you have the ball on the tee. You struck out on three straight swings and looked, you know, like you didn't know what you were doing. And that's okay. You know, I, I said it last week. The, the season's not going to be defined by a loss by BYU, and the season's not going to be made by a loss by a win against BYU. But now you kind of ha- you have the ball on the tee. You got three swings at this. Really, you have four swings at this. You need to be able to make a big statement out of this game. You know, you got to be able to turn the page. You got to be able to point to it and say, you know, we're good enough. We can we can steamroll a team? We just got steamrolled by a really good team. That's okay. You know, power five to group of five, group of five to FCS. Like it's it's all okay, and it's all going to come out of the wash at the end of the day. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get to the predictions. Uh, quick recap. Um, as we head into week two, Seth and Nathan are one and zero. Stieg is zero and one. Uh, a tradition unlike any other. God, it's uh, like a <laughs> it's like a baby shit in their pants every day. It really is. It really is. All right, so let's let's start with Stieg. Let's see if he gets off the Schneid. Um, what's your prediction for the game? I, I know I just said they had to go big on this um, and I'm, I'm going to stand by it. I, I don't think they're going to get the shutout that I really hope they would get. Um, I think they'll probably let up like a late score or two, maybe you know, never gets like 10 points. I'm going to go with 56 or 59 to 10. I think, uh, I think I'll feel good about that. Howard. I, I really do think, yeah, yeah, Howard wins. Uh, <laughs> the the I, Bison. I, yeah, I, I do think that we have, like, the USF offense, again, BYU, I think it can be really, really good, and I think it can be really, really efficient. I saw some good things at a carry on the few highlights that I saw, and I think you just had too much speed that I think, you know, Howard's going to be able to keep up. I am looking more than anything, God, it, you could get your season total of sacks this game and really go for it from last year. They could get nine packs this game. That's what I'm looking forward to at this point. Okay. Seth? Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go 55 to 13. 55 13 USF. I yes, assume. That's correct. I don't want to. That's correct. I don't no. put, I don't want to assume my, my scores, but. 
Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, I'm going to go 49-14. USF wins. Um, I just – I don't trust that they don't let Howard score a touchdown, and I don't trust that they don't let Howard score two touchdowns. So uh, that's kind of where my thought process is on that. Like until you prove that you can, then I'm not going to believe that you can is really what it boils down to. Which was the logic behind my pick last week. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So that – I think that's it. I guess – wait, no, Steve. You wanted to add something about some other sports. You want to tag it on right here? Do do cover other sports sometimes. Sometimes. And we'll give credit where credit is due. Sometimes. Always. Uh, They get lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Um, No, I quickly – I mean, the fall season started for everyone. Um, We'll start with a good uh, volleyball. Uh, looks looks quite resurgent. Uh, they're four and two to start the year. There are two losses, which when I say these names, you're going to scoff at them. Ball State and University of South Alabama. Both of those teams scoff. are receiving votes in the top 25. Uh, so they started the year one and three and, uh, and then went up to the Stony Brook Invitational and swept all three games against Three pretty good teams, Georgetown, Maryland, and the uh, aforementioned Stony Brook. So teams four and two, uh, they've got a really young squad that looks like they're playing together really well. Uh, they uh, they go to the UT Arling, or UTSA Invitational where they're playing uh, three more games against uh, UT Arlington, UTSA, and then our favorite uh, FCS school, McNeese State University. Ugh. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, women's soccer. Uh, not much to talk about there. Lost, lost at Florida, one nothing. Beat uh, UTSA. Looks like they're they're struggling on the firepower um, department. They only scored, I think, like four or five goals this year. Um, but speaking of struggling in the firepower department, uh, men's soccer, zero and three and one to start the year. And Fellas. if you go on the, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go on the NCAA website and you and you go to the category that says goals for you will not see the university of South Florida on there because they have yet to score this year in a non exhibition game. So coach Bob, we gotta, gotta get some goals here. They've had a brutal start to the year. Uh, every team that they have played in uh, is a very good team. So, you know, non-conference scheduling, they have an easy probably layup game against Mercer um, this Friday. So hopefully we will score a goal. And then uh, cross country finished fifth at the UCF Invitational for both the men's and women's. They beat a, a vision school in cross country. Seth, it happened. They did it. They Things beat up. Florida Atlantic up. and Florida International in cross country. Uh, they lost to Miami, Florida, Stetson, and UCF. So overall, pretty mediocre start to the year for athletics. But before we get out, you guys didn't you guys didn't join me last Friday. What do you guys think about the expanded playoff? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, really, really lost in the shuffle. I'll be honest. It did. It did. <laughs> yeah. That's the other reason everyone's real excited. You know, yeah, that news come down Friday. You're coming into the season, and then it all just kind of deflates. But that was pretty big news. It was it definitely um, changes. Yeah, it changes the landscape. Uh, quite a lot. Um, 
if it's done properly and you know we see some fair uh committee play it'll make for some really good games if not um i'm really going to enjoy watching the eight and four florida team uh travel to uh to washington to uh to see how those games play out yeah, there's going to be some cold weather game. The, the 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 part that stinks is they're going to give those teams options to play in domes if they want. Cowards. Like Ohio State. You want to play at home or would you rather play in Indianapolis? So your offense can throw the football. Make them play at home. That's, yeah, make them that's play at home. kind of annoying. Um, it is annoying. So basically what it's the top six conference champions get. And six at large. Uh, and then six at large. And then the top four of those uh, conference champions buy. get a first round buy. Yeah, and they haven't said if the 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 it doesn't seem like it, but I think it would be it would be wise as well to have all the conference champions get ranked sequentially. So even the top, even the two conference champions that aren't in the top four, they still get a, they should still get a home game in my opinion. But I don't know if that's how it's going to be. That would be nice because then you could have a you know USF wins the American. If they're still American, they could host a, They could have a home game, a home playoff right. game. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would. Uh, that would be pretty neat. Um, I think it just makes college football more exciting. It gives uh, the little guys uh, an actual fighting chance to play for something. It's why everybody loves March Madness. It's to see the the Cinderellas, to see uh, was it Saint Saint Peter's knock off Kentucky, right? Like we. Uh-huh. College fans, college sports fans live for that sort of stuff. And it's just an added bonus. I there there will be some consequences that we are just not thinking about of doing this. But on the surface, as we see it right now, it it doesn't seem like uh, anything but a net positive for the for the game where it really felt like it was going to be the power too, and it doesn't really matter what, who, who's playing and what. Yeah. I think it slows that down considerably um, because the other, the other part of it, and I talked about it on Friday is if, okay, so now let's say the pack 12 goes under, are they staying at six? Does that mean now two G five conferences would have automatic bids? If it's still top six conference champions. So I, I don't know because this last contract was 12 years. So if this new deal is going to be 12 years, either expansion totally stops or it, may, it makes it easy, even easier for G5 teams to get in automatically. So I think it's my question to you guys is, do you think this will help the talent spread out a little bit more? I oh, think, absolutely. I, I think, think the thing that there's some that thinks that there's some, I've talked to some people, they don't think it'll matter, but I think, it may not spread. It may not go from like five star guys are coming to USF, but it may be like they're not going to Alabama. They go to Miami, or they go to Florida State because now Florida State, even if they're not going to win the ACC, right. has a chance to make the playoff. Right? Like, right? I think I think NIL has a will have a bigger impact on the spreading out of talent than the college football playoff. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, we talked about Tennessee, like they've really done a good job at cashing in on NIL and, and yeah. getting talented players there. And I think that's, that's kind of where we're heading. I don't really think that the expansion really moves the needle that much, but I could be dead wrong. I, I think NIL, I think you're right. The NIL will probably be the leader there, but now if you're, if you're, if you're a Tennessee, right. 
not only do you have the NIL now, but you can also say, hey, we still got to, even if we don't beat Alabama or, you know, because they play Alabama every year, even if we can't beat Alabama and Georgia, we still have a chance to make the playoff here. Uh, we could finish top 10 easily. Right. You know? And right. so and then now it, I think it helps them maybe we'll, instead of guys being like, well, if I want to make the playoff, I've got to go to Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, or Alabama, maybe Oklahoma. I think that'll sp- hopefully spread that out coupled with, like you said, the NIL. So it could. And I think that would, because everyone's talking about blowouts. There's blowouts in the playoffs now. The way to get those, the way to lessen those blowouts is to spread the talent back out. I will say, like, the top 10 players went to like set. Somebody said, I think it might have been 2005, or it it could have been even, it could have been like 2008, maybe even later. The top 10 players in the country went to seven different schools. Like last year, it was like two, two or three different schools. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we saw. uh, Oh, go on, Nate. Yeah. I think we saw it on Saturday, like the gulf between the top two teams in the country and, the 11th place team, uh, you know, I know they're, I, I think I saw that they're already out of the top 25, but I mean, the golf is massive. I mean, 49 to three and without really even breaking a sweat for Georgia, like that's no, and they lost a, a lot of talent and they still just ran right through or 15 draft picks or something like that. So that's, I think that'll help. Um, that could be part of it too, Justin. That's not a bad point. That would that would also you'd start I think ten days after the championship game so you'd start like the week after Army Navy is when you start playing games so you wouldn't have that downtime. Yeah, I mean that right. works with college basketball, right? I mean you play you you find out where you're going on Sunday and you're playing Thursday, so yeah. um, you don't really have a month to really get into the minute details of every single thing. So. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think it makes the it makes the I know we're trying to get out, but I think it that news just makes the USF job that much more attractive for whatever is going on in the future, whether it be to recruits. I guess US it makes USF more attractive, I think, to recruits to potential coaches in the future, all that kind of stuff, just because market now ability to make the playoff NIL. Uh, it right. seems like that's getting turned around pretty well. So, and new stadium, new facilities, that kind of stuff, all kind of coming together. So, confluence of events, yes, in a positive direction this time. Yeah, and egg Every- on the face of those who uh, went to new conferences and now have to battle with uh, bigger opponents. Uh, all we got to do is somehow find a way to win the conference, and I think we'll probably find our way there. Seems easy enough, right? Just, just win a couple. Of, just win like what eight games? Hey, just like, win the conference, all right? Yeah, go for out of conference and go undefeated in the conference. I mean, it's it's not that hard. There you go. Collect the paychecks the first four weeks, and then uh, bound. You know, boat boat race Charlotte in the uh, first game. That's all I got to do. There yeah, go. Easy. there you go. Easy peasy. All right, let's get out of here. Appreciate you guys jumping on. Thank you for tuning in following along on the feed listening to us make sure you download subscribe read our stuff dailystampede.com you can find us on itunes you can find us on spotify uh wherever you get your podcasts from uh shout out to anthony vita for always uh having these uploaded and and editing the stuff 
Uh, God bless them. Uh, we'll be out there Sunday, Sunday night as the Bulls take on Howard at seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. For Seth Steak, I am Nathan Bond. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Bloom Night Podcast. Film room tomorrow. Film room tomorrow. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Bulls. <laughs>